0: Tonight on the subject, how spiritual is your conscience? How spiritual is your conscience? Mark your place in First Timothy chapter four. Uh, we'll look at other passages and back to here in just a few minutes. Heavenly Father, I bow to pray, and not out of requirement nor habit, but out of hunger for the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for meeting with us this morning. But I am thankful that every time we come to you, we can find fresh, warm bread. We can find fresh and a new manna to feed us yet again. I pray that our souls and our hearts would be hungry for the word of God tonight. And I pray that you would help us to listen on purpose. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Turn your Bibles, if you will, just a few pages to 2 Timothy chapter 4. He led us in the reading of 1 Timothy chapter 4. And I want you to notice in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul writes these words. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Paul writes to Timothy as he did in chapter 3 when he told him to continue. He says in verse number 2, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort. With all long suffering and doctrine. Now, verse 3 For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. I want to announce tonight the time is not going to come, the time has come, and we now live in that time. All of these things read in this passage of Scripture are happening in churches in the United States of America and across the nation and across the world tonight. I want you to notice back in our text passage, 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 4 in verse number 2. He says, now the Spirit speaketh expressly. Now pay attention to that. Uh, Anytime the Spirit speaks, we need to listen. But here he says uh, very plainly, very pointedly, expressly, that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Speaking lies in hypocrisy, notice this phrase, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. I Draw your attention to the phrase, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. A simple illustration of the meaning here is that of branding. Uh, perhaps you've seen pictures or videos or maybe have taken part in the branding of an animal Uh, when they brand a calf They take the branding iron and they lay it in the hot coals, in the hot embers, until the iron turns a glowing hot red. Uh, That then is applied to the side, uh, to the skin of that animal, thus branding it and marking its identification. Now, when they brand it, the nerves of that skin die. It is like a scar. You can remember the cut, but you can't feel the pain. In fact, most of the time in scarring, uh, the nerve is dead. And that's what happens uh, when the branding uh, takes place. It is the deadening of the nerves. And so he says here, in the last days, there will be those that will have their conscience seared or they will have them deadened. They will have them to the place that they no longer respond uh, to that which they should respond to. Paul is telling Timothy in our text that some will depart from the faith. Uh, Perhaps it's because we've not had uh, social media until now, but never have I known a generation uh, where there have been so many to blatantly depart from the faith and attack those who are still in faith in God. And it's very obvious, it's very obvious if you're involved in any type of ministry to see that there are those that have departed from the faith. Now, the way this happens is through uh, these three things, seducing spirits or seductive spirits, uh, second of all, doctrines of devils, Uh, doctrines of devils the devil has a set of doctrine it's sad that churches will argue over Uh, 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 devil's doctrine and won't use a simple instruction to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Uh, But there will be doctrines of devils. And then speaking lies in hypocrisy. Uh, And I'll not go into the detail of that. And then the Bible says, as a result, having their conscience seared uh, with a hot iron. Another word for that word seared is cauterized. Uh, It's a popular thing now when there is pain in the legs or back or in the body uh, that causes a severe pain. They cauterize or cauterize or they like a brand or they sear that uh, so that there is no feeling. Now Paul wrote this in both of his letters to Timothy. Are you with me tonight? He wrote this in both of the letters to Timothy. Turn your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Ephesians. Paul wrote this same thing uh, to the church at Ephesus. Uh, Notice what the Bible says is he talks about the last days and he talks about the behavior of the last days. Go with me if you will to Ephesians chapter 4 and drop down to verse number 17. I'm preaching tonight on the subject uh, how spiritual is your conscience. How spiritual is your conscience? Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 17, the Bible says this This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk or unconverted. Notice, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life, uh, alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Notice this phrase now, who being past feeling. Uh, there it is again. That's the same thing that Paul wrote to Timothy in his first letter. He wrote it to him again in the second letter, having a conscience seared. Here he's talking about Christians who being past feeling and living like Gentiles having themselves, uh, are given themselves over unto lasciviousness or gross immorality and notice this to work all uncleanness with greediness with greediness it's sad that there are doctors uh, that murder babies for uh, the gain of filthy lucre Uh, how wicked and low, and and we see it's become a business, all of the uh, surgeries, and I'll not go into that, but who being past feeling, and when you get past feeling, you go into gross immorality. Uh, That's why our nation has gone tonight. Now it's interesting that Peter deals with the same thing. Uh, You remember Jesus told Peter when thou art converted strengthen the brethren. So things that Peter experienced and warned us of we need to pay real close attention to. So, take your Bibles and go with me, if you will, to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 4. Please stay with me. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 4. Notice what the Bible says here For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample. That's a sample. That means it's going to happen again. You see that? Making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly. An official in the military that's been dealing now with terrorism for 30 years said today, just late this afternoon, America is ripe. For a terrorist attack that will make Pearl Harbor and 9-11 pale in comparison. Now you see what Peter said here. He said Sodom is an example to those that would live thereafter. Who is that? That's us. Now notice what he says. And delivered just lot. Now, here's this phrase again, yet worded differently. Vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. The word vexed is a key word. For that righteous man dwelling among them. Look at your Bibles now. In seeing and hearing. Here's that word again. Vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Didn't say participated. Participated. It didn't say he participated. It said he vexed his righteous soul seeing and hearing. Verse number 9. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. We know that judgment came to Sodom not just because of the wickedness of Sodom. God would have spared Sodom though it was wicked. And he would have spared it not if they promised to turn from their immorality. He promised to spare it if there were, don't miss it, ten righteous people. There were not ten righteous and Sodom was destroyed. Now why was there not ten righteous people left in Sodom? Why? Here's the answer. Because they, like Lot, had vexed their righteous soul in Sodom. They had seared their conscience with wickedness. Their young people have sat here tonight and just laughed and talked like nothing's going on. That they came just to talk to one another and that church is not important at all. And conscience is seared. There's no no fear for the man of God. There's no fear for the word of God being preached. That's where we are. I'm talking about in a good church. And, and, and Lot's, Lot's righteous soul was seared to the place that he saw nothing wrong with anything. In fact, they told Lot to get out. When the Israelis began to drop leaflets to get out, the, the Palestinians, they started fleeing. They started leaving. God dropped the word of God in Sodom. And Lot wouldn't leave. You know why? He had vexed his righteous soul, seeing and hearing. He didn't say anything wrong with it. I preach tonight on the subject, how spiritual is your conscience. The Bible says, for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing... Vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. In seeing and hearing. I'm concerned the amount of hours are spent in seeing and hearing the filth online. Nobody sees it, but you see. But it's searing your conscience. And as frustrating as it is to see folks in Congress that are criticizing Israel today, Christians do the same by criticizing the preaching of righteousness because they too have had their conscience seared by seeing and hearing. What did Lot see and hear in Sodom? What did Lot see and hear that caused his righteous soul? This is not an unconverted man. This is a man that knew right. This is a man that was a friend. This is a man that was a nephew. This is a man that was close to one of the godliest men ever walked the face of this earth, and that was Abraham. He knew what Uncle Abraham believed. He had seen Abraham go through a life lived by faith in God. He knew what was right, but this righteous man, he seared, he vexed his righteous soul. What did he see? What did he hear? According to the scripture, Sodom and the five cities of the plains was a place of immorality, both natural and unnatural. It was a place of immodesty. It was a place of partial nudity. And it was evidently on display and was everywhere to be seen. And Lot vexed his righteous soul looking at. The Bible didn't say he took part in it. But the Bible said he looked at it and he heard it day after day after day after day until the nerves were dead and nothing fazed him. Not even when God dropped the leaflets of the word of God and the angels came in and said, you better get out of here. And the angel had to drag them out of the city. Lot's wife was so wicked and so connected to that place She looked back as if she was leaving her love, her home and she was turned to a pillar of salt. What did he see and hear? He saw immorality. When we talk about sodomy today, we we, we think of a person rather than an act. We think of an individual rather than a behavior. We're talking about the act of immorality and the actions of immorality, both natural and unnatural. That's what he saw and that's what he heard. And we live in a day where Christians will entertain themselves in front of the television set watching sodomites entertain them and watching sodomites to the place that we don't have any any concern at all doesn't bother us anymore because we've been seared what else did he see and hear the Bible said filthy conversation. It's absolutely embarrassing today at the conversation that is public in our world. I probably shouldn't have done this and probably shouldn't even tell the story, but I'll tell it because cursing and using God's name bothers me so, so bad. What I'm going to tell you sounds like a joke. It wasn't a joke, I was angry. A fellow was in the airport. He was being loud and boisterous on the phone. He was cursing and and he said this, who in hell would want to go to Pittsburgh? And I just said in anger, all of them probably would. He said, What? I said, Did you just ask who in hell would like to go to Pittsburgh? I said, Sir, Pittsburgh may be bad, but it ain't as bad as hell. We vexed our soul that we can watch it and listen to it and hear the precious name of the lovely Lord Jesus used in vain and my dear friend I fear that in these last days that we won't have a light to shine we won't have a salt that has any savor and we just sit back and we say "Well, the world's wicked I'll tell you why it's rotten the salt's lost its savor and the salt loses its savor because it has been seared it has been vexed by the seeing and hearing of the filth of our nation tonight Immorality, filthy conversation, and then number three, they promoted evil. They promoted that which was sin and vice. They promoted it. Number four, their pride. They weren't just living in immorality, they were proud of it. Have you heard of pride anywhere? Pride Day. Pride month. Pride is an attitude of sin that turns the stomach of God. Pride is ever ugly and repulsive. And you know what's concerning? There are folks who will send me notes tonight and they'll say this. That was harsh preaching tonight. Before you send it, I want to ask you how many notes you've sent to Hollywood and told them how harsh their horror movies and their filthy use of God's name in vain and their promotion of alcohol and their promotion of gambling. But you go ahead and send your letter to this preacher and tell him, I don't agree with that kind of preaching. I don't care for your attitude, I care for what the Bible says, and it's sad that we come to the place that our conscience is seared, seeing and hearing and seeing and hearing and seeing and hearing from day to day. He cauterized his soul, he cauterized his reasoning. He cauterized his understanding and as a result there was no faithful witness. There was not a light left on in Sodom and God destroyed the cities and yes it was because of their immorality but at the end it was because there was not a light to shine and I want to tell you dear friend if there's any hope for America's uh, 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 perpetuity it will be because of preaching of righteousness. It won't be for the preaching of comfort. It won't be for the preaching of criticizing of the truths of that Bible. It will be old time preaching on righteousness. That's the only thing that will help perpetuate and continue the freedom of our nation. What happened a Lot is what Paul and Peter warned Christians of the last day about. Don't allow in the last days. He wrote... Timothy, the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. I have showed this book right here, Bible doctrine, to people in their homes in the last 30 days that have said it really doesn't matter to me. What matters is the way I was raised. That's sad to see in our day A turning from the gospel. I rejoice as I see the reports coming from South Africa and the reports coming from the Philippines and the openness of those people to the gospel. And it's sad because it's more difficult today to find people who even care to listen to a gospel presentation in our world. It's a sad day because of that. He wrote in the second letter of this, I say therefore in testifying the Lord, he wrote to the church at Ephesus that ye henceforth walk not as of the Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind who being past feeling have just given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all in cleanness with, with greediness. As I understand this, I think it's important what I allow myself to see this week. As I understand the scripture, it's important what I allow myself to hear this week. I don't want to be in the company of those who that are going to use my Savior's name in vain. I don't want to be in that crowd. I was a young teenager. I was sixteen years old, and I was working at an auto parts store. A man who became my friend, a black gentleman. A state trooper, about six foot three, just, just a big guy. And He came into the store where I worked and he used profanity. There was an atheist that worked in the store that I worked with. He stayed away from me like like roaches stay away from light. I mean, he, he I wasn't unkind to him, but he didn't tell me his stories. He, he didn't, and I would always... And I admired the man, I admired his uniform, I admired him. But I wouldn't wait on him or I would let the other man wait on him because of his vulgarity. Now I want to tell you, if cursing don't bother you, your conscience are in bad shape and you need to let them get softened up again by the wonderful Holy Spirit of God. One day I had no choice but to wait on Mr. David. And he cursed, and I said, sir, can I ask you a question? He said, yes, sir, what is it? I said, sir, you 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 have a, a, a mother that you're close to? Oh, you, he said, yes, I love my mom. I said, how would you feel if I cursed your mother? He said, little man, I wouldn't let you curse my mother. And he showed me how big and strong he was. I said, well, sir, I couldn't. I couldn't do anything to you physically, but I want you to know it hurts when you curse my Savior. For you see, I was a sinner, and I remember how I began to tremble in fear. But I told him, I said, you see, I was a sinner on my way to hell, but God gave his son to die on the cross for me. And if it wasn't for him dying on the cross for me, I'd be on my way to a devil's hell. It breaks my heart to hear you use God's name in vain like that. That big fellow, six foot three, he said, young man, he said, I'm sorry. Here's what he said, I never thought about it. And most people don't. You know why they're, they've heard and seen so many times. And they're, sadly, they're Christians curse and swear, even use God's name in vain because of seeing and hearing. I had the privilege to lead that man to Christ at a later time. We became friends. We get to the place of hearing and seeing. I don't know about you, but it scares me. Because the only hope for America is not a lack of immorality, but a presence of salt and light. It is true that if you allow yourself to hear cursing and to be around immorality and immodesty and have nakedness over and over and over That you not only will become callous to it, you will become an ally to it. And it is sad when a Christian is around so much worldliness that carnality looks spiritual. I'm embarrassed that the rock music of the world is brought in. And, and don't take my word for it. Take the word of every rock musician that knew how to manipulate a person's not just thinking and feeling, but they knew how to manipulate the behavior of a body to tell them to commit immorality. And they still do that with music. Don't you come to me with your little argument about rock music. There's not one, there's not one ounce of good to it. And you ask any rock musician that ever used rock music to manipulate a crowd to make himself wealthy. You ask the fathers of rock music to see what their purpose was. And we get around it so much that we say, and I'd be ashamed to utter these words, well, I just don't see anything wrong with it. Careful, your calluses are showing. It's important to create an environment to live in that's spiritual. It is important that we create a scriptural environment. And the Bible tells us how to do that. You read the law, and God told them, Here's how I want you to decorate your homes. I want you to put the scripture up so you're reminded who you belong to, who brought you out, and who takes care of you. In fact, he said, put it on your hands. They would wear a leather type box, and I've even seen Jews today in New York in places where there's a large concentration of Jews and they wear that phylactery or that leather box that has scripture written, written in it and it's a reminder that they belong to God and the priest, he would wear a garment and that garment would have the words written on it Holiness to the Lord Not worldliness, not carnality now, folks, I'm concerned about these last last days. I, I don't know if this is the beginning of the last war, but this is what the beginning of the last war looks like. What we see in Israel, this is what the beginning of the last war looks like. We become Christians that live a relative Christianity. Well, it's not as bad as her's. It's better than his. Her or him is not the standard. This is the standard. Where the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men in the Old Testament the Jews were instructed to do things with the law that would be constant reminders of how they were to live and I don't have time tonight or I would read 2nd Kings chapter 22 where Josiah becomes the priest at just 8 years old and the nation has become a backslidden and rebellious nation and Josiah at 8 years old he didn't know what to do in being the king so he said I'll do what my father David did. And he was speaking not of his present father but he was speaking of a forefather like you and I saying we need to take our nation back to the day where we had faith in God as they did in the days of Abraham Lincoln or the days of George Washington. Josiah said I'm going to do what David our father did and the Bible said he walked in the ways of his father. Then the Bible said he sought the God of his father David. Then the Bible said he ordered that the temple be cleaned up. I'm glad tonight we came to a church that was clean because it was prepared for us to get here. This is the most important spiritual meeting we'll have this week together. We'll meet in church as we meet here tonight around the word of God. They went down to that temple and it was dirty and it had not been used. And the Bible says as they begin to clean the temple, Hilkiah comes out in the presence of a group of people. I don't know if he's been in an individual room. I don't know how it happened. But he came out and he said, I found the book. Hey, I found a book. How sad it is when the book is hidden in the church. When the church is the hiding place of the word of God. The church is not supposed to be the hiding place. This pulpit's not for a man. It's for the preaching of the word of God. That's where our allegiance is. That's where our faith is. That's what we look to. It's the word of God. It's not the man. It's the word of God that we look to. Hilkiah said, I found the book. Josiah said, let's get everybody together and read the book. You know what they read? They read the law. They read the law. There never has been a revival in the Bible outside of being connected to the law. You know what the law was? The law was 300 and some odd things that are negative, 200 and some odd things that are positive. God said, these are bad, don't do these. These are good, do these. Would to God, we'd have some Christian tonight to go home and say, I don't want to live better than her. I don't want to live worse than her. I don't want to be better than the worst Christian or worse than the best Christian. I just want to be a Bible Christian. I want to have a Bible home, a scriptural life. And when they read the word of God, the conviction of the Holy Ghost fell in that place and there was a grand revival. We need to find the book. I ask you tonight, how spiritual is your conscience? When Laura was just a baby, my wife had a tragic accident, cut her fingers in, in, in her arm and the surgeon did a wonderful job and the Lord answered prayers and they said to me she'd never play the piano again it's obvious that she does but she plays with nine fingers because in this hand the cut the glass cut what's called the ulnar nerve and she has no feeling in that finger she has no feeling she plays with nine fingers if I could get 15 fingers to do what those nine can do it'd be good No feeling. What part part of our lives have been seared by the seeing and hearing? Hey folks, it's a wicked world. And I know tomorrow we have to go out in it, but I don't have to put it on my phone. I don't have to bring it in my house. I don't don't have to turn the movies on that are going to promote the wickedness of Sodom. I don't have to put that in my motel room tomorrow night. A happy life is a life that has a conscience that's spiritual and alive and sensitive toward the things of God. Stand with me if you will. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word of God.